Welcome back to Lobby Concessionals, the movie podcast where nobody's right and everybody's wrong. I'm Parker, and that's Brendan. Follow us along on our various socials, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, uh, Twitter, potentially as well. Uh, and check us out on YouTube, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, wherever you can find them. Uh, this week, today... We are doing a segment called Under the Influence, where we take a look at a uh, uh, particular creative and we work through their sort of career and the influence they've had on us as individuals. That um, seems pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it. Yeah, I know you don't get to talk a lot on the podcast, so I'm excited to hear... <laughs> I'm excited to hear some stories. I feel like that was a shot uh, fired. Uh, so that's upsetting. But uh, no, uh, no, I'm actually really excited about this because I think uh, when we did the Kevin Smith episode, I had a really good time uh, doing that. And it was like a nice thing to go down memory lane. Sure. Uh, and you don't get to talk about movies that way a lot, I find, in casual conversation. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. Excited about it. Uh, so when you told me uh, you had somebody in mind, I, I believe you're going with the director as well. Correct. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. We figured we'd start off with the director and see where that goes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I do, I do know you have a, a bit of a a detour to take, as you usually do. Yeah, a bit of a lead in uh, <laughs> before anything I say makes any sense. All right, let's do it. Let's hear it. Um, for me. So, I, my my pick probably for being under the influence would be. Um, uh, Guillermo del Toro um, but I, I think that I have to give a little bit of a preface of, uh, uh, of David Fincher basically and just that David Fincher was um, the, the first director that I uh, like fell in love with that, that was the uh, it was his movies that really got me into movies and so loving movies um, uh, given that when we talked about Kevin Smith that was your first true uh, director that got you into this, you know, I figured sure. we'd go down the same path. Um, ultimately, though, what it came down to is I didn't think I had enough to talk about with Fincher, and that I, I think that he, as a person, he as a creative, didn't give me enough to sink my teeth into. Um, that really showed uh, sure. my, my journey with movies. But basically, I started with with loving Fincher. The very first movie that I would say was my favorite movie of all time was Fight Club. And arguably, it still is up there. Uh, you know, at the very least, it's top five, I would say. Um, and likely, that's more of a nostalgia thing for me than it is due to the that film's uh, really? specific quality. Or, um, like, I, I think part of the problem is, is Fight Club in particular has had... Um, it's notorious for being a, a like, film bro's favorite movie. <laughs> Um, and it, like, it's notorious for being misunderstood. I find that there's a lot of people that, uh, think it's a, um, rallying cry for, uh, toxic masculinity, which it, as far as I'm concerned, it's the exact opposite. Um, I'm surprised that would honestly affect you though. Like it, we, I know we've talked about it in, in other episodes. I think toxic fandom. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Or what was it? Interpretation. Dangerous interpretation. It could have been. Oh yeah. It would have been dangerous interpretation. You're so I'm, I'm surprised that it would affect you, especially being hyper aware of its actual meaning and content. That it, And I think I've watched it recently and I don't think it holds up. I don't know that. I don't know that it uh, skews my, my, my thoughts on it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something that um, 
it, it's still a great film. Uh, everyone in it is great. There's a lot of uh, good things to say about it. Um, I, unfortunately, it I, I think I come across as a little bit, or people assume things about me when I say my favorite movie is Fight Club. Yeah. Um, and and that's what I don't like about that. So I think it's probably dropped down from uh from that uh side of things simply because of how I'm viewed. So if 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 as a first impression, if someone is asking what my favorite movie is in order to get to know me, maybe I'll say Pan's Labyrinth. You know, like I, because I, I, I don't want them to, uh, again, get the wrong impression. Um, but I have Fight Club posters up, yeah. um, and and uh, you know, I don't think there's any shame in it. So, um, and how how old were you? Uh, so the first time I watched Fight Club, I was probably fourteen or fifteen. Um, so right in there, like right in the perfect <laughs> age to be completely indoctrinated by that, and like. And that's part of the problem, too, is it's kind of the danger zone of, you know, like, I was definitely a person that had a fight club in my basement, you know, <laughs> like, uh, or like, you know, what could potentially be a fight club. It really wasn't. Uh, but, you know, I punched a few people. So uh, and I got took a few punches. So it wasn't anywhere near the level of violence in fight club. But, you know, it happened. Um, so anyway, um but I, I find Fincher really got me into movies uh, because he's, I think, such a grounded presence. That guy knows what he wants to make. Yeah. Um, he's he's very, very clear. It's his way or the highway, sort of. Um, and we've talked about this uh, a little bit off the camera about how um, directors, some of the better directors in the world tend to be um, crazy. <laughs> uh, and they just sort of force things so Fincher is notorious for making people do 95 takes yeah, yeah, until yeah. they absolutely get it right um, uh, you had told me something that Brian Cox had said correct about yeah, there Fincher was a, there was a new uh, Hollywood Reporter roundtable up with Brian Cox talking about uh, uh, Fincher's work and how him and Ruffalo would be on set and They'd be on like take seventy or something. And Ruffalo's like, "What the fuck's happening?" Yeah, <laughs> and Cox is like, oh, just, "He just hasn't seen you yet. He hasn't noticed you're doing anything, which is insane." Yeah, You're seventy takes in, and he hasn't noticed your performance yet at all. Yeah, yeah. So the, <laughs> so the fact, like, but everything has to be perfect, and it shows. Um, so it, that that guy, I, I think I learned a lot about how filmmaking works by watching. David Fincher films and and watching how he put together shots and watching how he put together scenes, how he told a story. Um, you know, I think of uh, it's not a movie, but Mindhunter yeah. uh, as well. That first season of of that show is uh, the whole show is uh, tripod shots yeah. uh, until the very end uh, of like the last episode. And that's when Holden starts to go a little bit, like realize he's tipped over the edge, and that's when he we finally get a steady cam shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it's it's really cool to be able to see things like that, um, because the, uh, the the camera work and the shot composition matches um, characters, and it has a narrative purpose. Uh, and I think that very few people do that as well as Fincher does. Yeah, like that's a lot to take in for a fourteen year old, though. If you think about what everything that you just said there. So when you're watching when you're watching movies at 14, 15, you're not really thinking about camera composition and stuff like that. Absolutely. So, so either you know the, the, that impact is it was that important, or like did, did it hit you right away, or did you have to come back to that? With Some, like a, a lot of that came back to me 
uh, like it was upon rewatches or when I learned more about film. Um, I think that's it, some of it leached in naturally, though. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the bigger thing is that I learned a lot about film just by letting things, um, by by watching good films and by watching people that really knew what they were doing. Sure. Um, so. Yeah, I, I would say I started with Fincher, and then partially it's that he doesn't put out enough movies. Um, you know, we got Gone Girl in 2014, and then Mank in 2020. Dude, I need more than one every six years. Well, like that, That's funny, because so maybe you look at a soft pivot here to, to Del Toro. It's not like Del Toro puts out a lot of work either. Um, Fair. Uh, I, I think it's partially that Del Toro has done more recently. Anyway, so you look at... Since uh, 2010, yeah, let's be fair to Fincher. Since 2010, he's done four films. So yeah. Social Network in 2010, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo 2011, yeah. Gone Girl 2014, Mank 2020. While uh, in that same span, uh, we have um, Del Toro has done Pacific Rim, Crimson Peak, Shape of Water, Nightmare Alley, and Pinocchio coming out this year. Okay, um, So... I understand that's a difference of only one film, sure. but it is a little bit more consistent that we get a film every, you know, two to three years. Fair enough. Um, so, um, it, anyway, Fincher was kind of my lead in, really, to, to movies and into liking directors and to knowing people. And then eventually I discovered Del Toro. Um, and, and I probably was aware of him during the time I really liked Fincher. Like, I had watched Hellboy. Um and that was probably, yeah, like it was Hellboy and Hellboy 2 uh, were my first introductions to him. And I liked it, um, but I don't know if I knew what I was watching totally yet either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think so much of my love for Teldoro came from that whole, discovering the whole world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that that ultimately is, is the big difference, is that I found I, I really liked Fincher uh, because of what he could do with a camera and what he could do with um, a scene and his... Um, everything had to be picture perfect. Yeah. I love Del Toro because everything has to be perfect, but in a totally different way. Um, and I find that there is beauty in the imperfection with Del Toro's yeah. work. Um, and some, some of that imperfection I would argue is intentional. Uh, but there's plenty of it. That's just sort of like, yeah, yeah. I was learning. <laughs> <laughs> no. Did you know right away? Like, did it take a, a bunch of, like, did it take a couple of Del Toro movies? Or did you, like, watch Hellboy 2 and whatever? It's like, oh, this is it. So, I watched Hellboy and and really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I recognized it as, oh, this, I love this because of this creator. Right. Um, at the time. Uh, same with Hellboy 2. I enjoyed it. Um, but I think both of those I sort of chalked up to comic book films yep. and I liked comic books. So I figured that was kind of the whole thing. Um, it, honestly, it probably came like it came fairly late. But I think the the real click moment for me that I adored Del Toro uh, was Pacific Rim. Oh. Um, so that's I had already, later than I thought. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah. So I had already seen Pan's Labyrinth and adored Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's his magnum opus. Is that the word? Yeah. Yeah, it is, right? <laughs> um, like, that's... I, I think he's going to have a hard time ever beating that. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I understand Shape of Water got him the Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the best picture, anyway. I understand Pan's Labyrinth also won the Oscar. <laughs> but, like... Uh, uh, and I adore... 
Shape of Water as well for different reasons. But I, I think I have a he's going to have a very, very hard time ever truly topping Pan's Labyrinth. Um, but I had seen those films and it was Pacific Rim that sold it as like, oh, this is a guy that can put on a incredible show and it doesn't need to be artsy, I guess is the way I, yeah. I, I would look at it. Um, well, I think that, you know, Fincher always struck me as even though he could put on an incredible show, it always struck me that there was a bit of a, he seemed a little bit removed. There was a bit of a snobbery there. Well, Del Toro had no problems. Well, it's like a weird passion thing, right? It's not to discount Fincher's passion when making his movies because it's obviously Absolutely. there. But it, it doesn't, I don't know that it basically flies off the screen at you yeah. and then burrows into your eyes and into your skin and you can literally feel how much fun that dude had making that movie. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, and how much fun that guy has making everything. I think mm-hmm. that's something else that I've I've grown to love about Del Toro is that you can just everything he does bleeds passion. With the exception of maybe some of the the work he's produced, I find when he's um, listed as an executive producer in particular, um, the work tends to not be as amazing. Right. Um, uh, I think it was Mama, the. Uh, the horror film starring Lena Headey. Right, 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 right. Um, that was based off a, a short film that Del Toro had seen and loved. Um, and and so when there were talks about it getting made into a movie, he went, oh, I loved this thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I will help get that made. Yeah. Um, but it, him helping getting it made does not guarantee the level of quality that right. him actively directing and making it sure. does. So, but even stuff like um, Troll Hunters uh, and the various spinoffs on Netflix, um, it is so very clearly a a Del Toro project, yeah. um, even though as a, he's involved as a director only minimally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, e- even The Strain, actually, the FX series that generally no one <sighs> liked, <Boy>. um, <laughs> but I watched all the way through and Same. generally enjoyed, um, it's just bleeds him uh, like you you take one look at that and it's like well you take one a, look at the vampire yeah he has a very specific vampire right that's yeah the, for me it's the blade 2 vampire right that's the like it's different it's pretty close he, he did new things uh <laughs> but you know go ahead and undermine him <laughs> um uh but it's just his design it's the way things look um i think about that with uh troll hunters as well as i remember my wife and I started watching Troll Hunters on a whim, um, and that very first episode, in the first five minutes, we were like, "Oh, is this Del Toro?" <laughs> because it's just everything in the world is designed in a way that's like, "Oh yeah, he clearly doodled this in his notebook." Yeah, like yeah, it yeah. looks like it came straight out of one of his notebooks. All right. So again, that's really interesting because uh, I again, if we've never actually had this conversation, so the Pacific Rim thing is. is is news to me and it's surprising because again you're right everybody is it's it's pan's labyrinth yeah it's pan's labyrinth and you had watched that before and that didn't do it for you well so it did and i was like wow this movie is amazing yeah. but i don't think i clicked that this creator was responsible for hellboy hellboy 2 pan's labyrinth and i think at that time that's basically all i had seen Blade, Blade, um, Blade. Like, hadn't even seen blade 2 yeah hadn't seen blade 2 no so actually that was something um that was something i probably only watched in like 2020 
Um, what? Yeah, like quite late. Um, <laughs> and and it's fine. Like it's definitely the best of the Blade movies. Um, but it could just be that uh, I know what happens with those movies, and I know that Wesley Snipes is a nightmare in all of them. Yeah. Uh, that I just have a really hard time taking it seriously, knowing that he's a huge baby on set of Blade <laughs> Trinity. So, um, anyway, anyway, it's yeah. So Pacific Rim is the moment where I connect the fact that this uh, guy's starting to put together a string. Well, <gasps> sorry, it's the moment I connect the fact that Pacific Rim, Hellboy, Hellboy Two, and Pan's Labyrinth are all made by the same guy, same guy. and you can tell, right? So. It's the match point. Match point? Flash point. There it is. <laughs> um, that's okay. So that's really, really cool. And I don't know that you're ever going to find two, two guys who like Pacific Rim more than the two of us. You'd be hard pressed. <laughs> yeah. Hard pressed. I, I cried. During, I mean, we talked about it, but I've cried during that movie. Um, yes. <laughs> Correct. So is i just i the 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 pacific rim thing i'm i'm stuck on because i'm i think that's such a unique thing to pick out of his library sure. to to be the thing so when you look at his stuff as a whole is there is there an evolution to that do you think like do you do you especially because from from two guys who don't watch a lot of scary movies sure that's his kind of his shtick um <laughs> right? i i would tend to disagree um so I would say, when you talk about us not watching scary movies, I would say I'm not a horror fan. Yeah. And partially that I'm not a horror fan because the horror genre has um, become known mainly because of found footage for putting out garbage that they can make for $10,000. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and horror fans will tell you that. You know, like, this isn't just me being a dick. This is, you know common knowledge it that is, is but they're very very cheap to make yeah. <laughs> hey um but they're extremely cheap to make and that's uh in in a lot of times that means the quality is not sure. there or it's it's uh creative's first run at things mm -hmm. you know like it's easy to bet on someone when it don't cost 10 grand so um <laughs> you give a an aspiring director some some money and you let them see what they sure. can do um so that's my main issue with horror uh, and then I am a huge baby. So if something is legitimately scary, I will be up at night. So yeah. it is a little bit hard for me to justify um, spending the time sure. when in most cases horror movies are bad. Uh, and then even if it is good, I am going to literally lose sleep over it. Yeah. So um, uh, I have never found that with a Del Toro movie. Yeah. Um, so in terms of how... I would say his stuff is creepy or thriller. It's an aesthetic. I mean, like, yeah. I, I didn't need. Maybe I didn't explain it well enough. Like they're not horror movies, sure, but they there is an aesthetic. I will openly admit I've never I've not watched Crimson Peak. Oh, okay, because it had ghosts in it, or maybe okay. you know, like I don't know. I haven't watched it yet, but it's worth watching. <laughs> it's it's probably one of his worst movies, honestly. And that's um, not saying much, really. At the end of the day, you know, his worst movie is probably still. Heads oh, above okay. Oh, but a lot of other people's best movies absolutely um <laughs> i i think crimson peak is a hard one to recommend if you're not a del toro fan you know like i wouldn't if someone's like oh i want to get into del toro crimson peak would be on the way bottom on the list yeah um but there is that there is the it is a very del toro movie in terms yep. of the aesthetic so like but gothic horror victorian yep 
thing. So like I I struggle with it, even though I've you know I've watched Mimic and I watched Chronos and Pan's Labyrinth, and I think those will probably be far worse than anything Crimson Peak could offer in terms of being horrifying. Terrified. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I think I have a hard time disassociating myself with that with him. And even though he's one of my favorite directors, even though I know that's not all he does, every time there's a movie that comes out, I'm like, am I going to be able to watch it? Ah. Yeah, and so I, I think that's that actually is a, a good example of how much I love Del Toro is that's just never been an even remote yeah. consideration for me. Like, I am going to have to watch it, regardless <laughs> of whether or not I can bear it. Yeah. Um, so, again, I have never found anything in his films that I found to be truly scary or, or horrifying horrifying there is plenty of times i am tense and i am waiting for a jump scare or something yeah. um uh in like in particular with uh there's a couple of moments in crimson peak um and there's a couple of really cheap jump scares in crimson peak too um <laughs> and then the devil's backbone as well yeah. uh is is one where there's a few things in there that I, I was not okay with. Uh, and then now that I've seen it, it's easier on a rewatch, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But um, Sorry. Do you, think, do you think he plays into that? Plays into the creepiness? No, not the creepiness. but The I, horror I, aspects? The, the psychological idea of like, I'm not going to scare the pants off of you. But just know that for the two and a half hours you're sitting in that seat, I'm capable of it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think so. I think so. I think partially it's just that he's a, a, a guy that ultimately loves monsters. Um, so he wants to lean into some of uh, that. And, and, and I think a, a prevailing theme in a lot of his films come down to um, looking at what, like taking a literal monster yeah, like yeah. Um, the, uh, the creature in uh, Shape of Water uh, or... Very similarly, Abe Sapien <laughs> from Hellboy, um, uh, or the the ghosts in uh, Crimson Peak, or the ghost in Devil's Backbone, um, and you take these, you know, at least visually kind of horrific things or or monstrous things, and then you contrast them with normal looking people that are actually monstrous, and and yeah. so that uh, I I think it is a theme he constantly plays with. Um, but the problem is, is that in order to do that properly, the uh, the things that look monstrous need to stare you first. <laughs> um, so in a lot of ways, there are uh, moments in each of those films where the monstrous thing or the potentially the, the yeah. monster stares you. Um, so again, the the ghosts in in Crimson Peak and in Devil's Backbone both do terrifying things before you realize actually maybe they aren't the monsters there oh now can you name another director that that is in your head before the movie even starts like that uh is that what makes him special yeah the, the, even that concept like i i'm only just kind of like stumbled upon the idea of that as i'm talking to you right now and i think that's a really really cool thing to to walk into a del toro movie Knowing that I'm going to probably enjoy it, there's like a ninety percent chance I'm going to enjoy it, but there's a, there's also a ninety percent chance that I'm going to be eating a diaper. Yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, actually, there is another one, and we literally talked about him last week, um, Ari Aster. Um, <laughs> but I, I, the difference there is, is that Ari has made two movies, and they are both horror films. Yeah. Now, granted, one is far scarier than the other one. Yep. Um, but, uh. 
but so he is someone that has a, a legacy of that. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this and I am going to leave this a 90% chance I'm going to enjoy it. But there's also a 90% chance that I am going to be pissed stared the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Him and actually, now that I'm saying it, uh, Jordan Peele has had the same effect. Oh, where, again, Jordan Peele as uh, probably as of the release of this, I don't actually know what the dates are, but I think he's going to have three films out. Um, uh, I don't know when Nope is actually out uh, versus when we were releasing yeah, this yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. But again... Basically, he's got three films out, and all three have been horror films. Yeah. So, very similar to Ari, uh, he has a legacy simply because that's what he's created. Yeah. Um, well, Del Toro has run the gamut yeah. of of genre films, yeah. uh, so he doesn't just stick with one. Um, and so it, it's a bit different there, it but because the fear is the fear is not guaranteed. The fear is in your head before the movie starts, and it. And and most of the time, I would say he doesn't pull the trigger. Yeah, and so I didn't. Let's let's put it this way: I didn't walk into um, uh, into Pacific Rim at all scared, like even well, concerned, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. And so there, you're right, but you're not right all the time mm -hmm. uh, about that because he. I same with Shape of Water too. I didn't walk into that worried about sure. jump scares or anything because it was sold and advertised as a romance um in the same way that pacific rim is sold and advertised as an action film and that's what they was delivered yeah yeah um so like it, it's a little bit different i absolutely hear what you're saying yeah. um but del toro is someone that if the trailer looks at all creepy then yeah i'm going in with a little bit of uh <laughs> that vibe and actually nightmare alley is a good example of that where yeah. Ultimately, there is now that I'm saying this, I have to make sure. Yeah, there is nothing in there that it is a jump scare or anything that could potentially be construed that way. But the trailer potentially sets you up for there to be something like that. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Yeah, the fact that you kind of feel like you've got a gun to your head is <laughs> is interesting as you're walking in. Yeah. There. Yeah. Okay. So we talked earlier about. His his body of work, uh, yep. same with Fincher's and stuff like that. When we did the Kevin Smith episode, we kind of touched on Scorsese stuff too. Uh, is they have a style, especially Kevin Smith. I grew out of Kevin Smith uh, because I didn't think he was giving me anything new. Sure. Um, do you find that Del Toro is still giving you that? Giving me something new? Yeah, absolutely. Every time. Every time. Um, uh, so like just looking at um, the last few years. So we have Pinocchio coming out this year, and I think it's supposed to be Christmas. Um, but either way, 2022, um, it is a stop-motion film. He has not done a stop-motion right. film. Um, it is a take on a classic fairy tale that usually a lot of his stuff is, is grounded in fairy tales and grounded in myth. Mm -hmm. um, but nothing literally like this. Um, obviously, he has to contend with the um, like Disney's legacy on this story. Um, but he is doing it in a the the classic fairy tale way that it yep. is supposed to be a uh, like Grimm's fairy tale yeah. kind of fairy tale, you know. Um, I don't actually know who wrote Pinocchio initially, but um, I'm not going to attempt to answer that. Yeah, either way, this is supposed to be horrifying, yeah. and the things I have seen so far do look a little bit horrifying. Yeah, Tom Hanks looks disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Disney one. You know what you're did. Okay, 
So previous to that, we have Nightmare Alley. Yeah. Um, so we have a stop motion horror fairy tale thing. Yeah. Then we got Nightmare Alley, which is frankly impossible to describe, and that's exactly the issue the advertisers had. That's why this movie made zero money. <laughs> um, I, I I don't know. I guess it's like a drama, um, uh, about like a circus freak show. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, you know really what it comes down to is it's the the rise and fall of one man. Um, and so, uh, it's, but so drastically different than what we're talking about with sure. Pinocchio. I understand Pinocchio is a weird example here just because oh, no, it is good. so yeah, drastically yeah, yeah, yeah. different. Previous to that, we have Shape of Water. Uh, it's a, uh, a rom- romantic movie, a romance with a fish. Uh, and that's weird in itself, uh, but truly it is a, a romance film. Um, and uh you know it's a love letter to film really um previous to that we have crimson peak which is a probably the best way to describe it as a feminist ghost story like none of these have similarities in terms of the the type of story they are delivering there is major similarities in terms of um again themes of of monsters versus the monstrous right uh themes of um uh you know what makes someone and, human and that's not that that hasn't bothered you either no the, not at all the concept of, of him using the same the same guess chest pieces to move around a board to tell his story not at all not even slightly partially it's just because uh he manages to lay out the chessboard very differently each time mm-hmm. uh um partially it's because at the end of the day when we really break it all down um you know it, it, if you simplify enough things, there's like a dozen original stories out yeah, there. If that, um, yeah. And so i I have no issues with that being reorganized in a way that is new and interesting. Sure. And that's what this is. Uh, and you know, like even some of his worst films. Again, you look at Crimson Peak, and like it's not it's not bad because of lack of originality. It's bad because ultimately, it's probably a pacing issue. Um, is really what it comes down to is he tries to put too much into a movie that doesn't need it. Right. Um, and probably should just, that movie should succeed on the strength of its cast. Right. Um, and unfortunately I feel like they're hindered. Now, circling back to, to Nightmare Alley and what you, you, you mentioned that made no money and it was sure. a bit of a hard sell. Is, is that because of a reputation situation when you, you have a cast an amazing cast that looks like that. Sure. You name a movie, Nightmare Alley, it looks the way it looks in the trailer, you attach Del Toro's name to it, and then it's not any of those things in, in, in a traditional sense. Is 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 that where a Del Toro reputation is the hindrance? Um, potentially. I, I don't know if, if average Joe Blow moviegoer knows who Del Toro is. Fair enough. Um, uh, so I, I, I have a hard time believing that that's the situation that um that people felt like he they didn't he didn't deliver um i truly think the reason that movie fails is first of all marketing granted it is impossible to market that film sure i like i i i do not have a solution there um but it is uh as someone that was going to see that Anyway, mm-hmm. I watched those trailers and I had absolutely no idea what this was about. Yeah. So again, I was already bought my tickets basically, 
And there was no way that trailer convinced me to see see that movie. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's another one of those Del Toro movies that ultimately succeeds on the strengths strengths of its performers, um, and and that is easily the best part about the film. Right. Um, but really, what it comes down to for me is I think he makes that movie because he wants to make a creepy circus, <laughs> you know. Um, and I see it, and I see why he does that. Um, having consumed other Del Toro literature, you know, I yeah, I, yeah. I have his cabinet of curiosities where sure. you look at, um, it goes through some of his notebooks. Yep. Uh, for those that don't know, he literally has notebooks that he draws in and puts ideas in, and he does a new notebook for each film. Um, so as he's making the film, uh, and they're just filled with uh, illustrations and filled with notes, and um, uh, it's interesting because it's in Spanish and in English, which is kind of cool in itself. Uh, but he also is well aware of the fact that they're an art piece, so that he will fill things in even with just gibberish words yeah. or things that look like words. Um in order to fill out a page and make it look artistic, even though there's nothing to be said there. Um, he's talked about how he's planning. That is uh, one of the things he's going to leave to his daughters as, uh, you know, when he ultimately passes, hopefully years down the road. Yeah. Um, because uh, he knows they'll be, a, they'll be a collector's item, you know? That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's super cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I fell for that Nightmare Alley stuff, man. Like, I, because of, who he is, the reputation he has. Uh, when I watched that trailer, I'm like, oh man, it's going to be like a 1920s uh, Lovecraftian Arkham Horror kind oh. of thing. And I was like, nope. No, it was not that. It got, got bamboozled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, not, And that didn't deter me in terms of like my enjoyment of the movie. Uh, but I was, was a little bit of disappointment. But I mean, is it my own fault? Probably. No. No? No, yeah, I, again, where... it's marketing. Like it is impossible to market that film. But you thinking you were going to get something that you didn't get yeah. is basically the whole marketing plan <laughs> for that film. Yeah. And again, there was no way for them to do it <laughs> properly. So um, I, I, I hear what you're saying, though. Um, I, I think that the Pinocchio film, for instance, is only going to succeed based off of the name, like Del Toro's name. Um, yeah. And then... I mean, Tom Hanks is a big star, so... so oh, my God. <laughs> The problem is you are going to say this and not enough people actually know that he's not in it. It's actually got big stars in it. The cast looks amazing. Got Ewan McGregor in it as I believe he's the cricket. The cricket. Yeah. Or just cricket. Because it's definitely not Jiminy. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, if anything, it's Jim Cricket. No, it's, it's not that. That's, that's a joke. <laughs> anyway. Um... But I, I think Pinocchio is something that, uh, at the end of the day, no one wants that. You know, I, I don't think there's really a lot of people that are like, you know what I would love to see? Uh, the original Pinocchio story in stop motion with a real cr cricket. <laughs> like, I, that's a hard sell. But there is people that want to see that with Del Toro's name attached. Yeah. So I, I, I see what you're saying there for sure. Uh, so you mentioned it uh, while you were talking about kind of running through his little uh, catalog there. Uh, what are his strengths? Like what? Like uh, we talked about Kevin Smith and how Kevin Smith's strengths is it's dialogue. He yep, might, sure. He might not understand how humans work at all, but he know, <laughs> but, but he knows or how, how women work in particular. <laughs> yeah, but he can write dialogue. Mm -hmm. Right, uh, he can pace a movie. It's snappy. It's it's got a, a it's got a, a flow to it. Sure. Uh, but that's kind of his only strength. Uh, 
right? So like, what what do we do about Del Toro? Like, where and and does it carry from movie to movie? Is it does, does it, is his is his thing prevalent or is is he evolving? Okay, so I I think number one, what it has to come down to with Del Toro is aesthetic. Uh, which is weird to say for a visual art form, yeah. um, but there is a very specific Del Toro-esque aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is true from his very first film, Kronos, all the way through to, I assume, Pinocchio. Um, again, based on what I've seen in uh, in trailers. Um, but it, at the very least, all the way through to Nightmare Alley, yeah, um, yeah. is we get a very specific aesthetic. Um, in every one of those films, what has he done? Uh, 12? 12 films that he has directed Every single one has um, uh, some bit of uh, exposed machinery. You see moving parts in a machine. Um, He likes that sort of – it's not always totally true, but he likes kind of an Art Deco um, style architecture uh, and and design. You get a lot of that in Nightmare Alley. uh, but actually, yeah, see, it's tough though because some of that gothic architecture yeah, you get yeah, through Crimson yeah. Peak and stuff as well. Um, he he knows what he likes. There is a lot of uh, religious symbolism, uh, in particular Catholic symbolism, sure. uh, in a lot of his films as well. Um, they don't hit hit you over the head with it by any means, yeah, but yeah. it's there. Um, uh, and then the the other big thing is uh, uh, is monsters. So the guy does monsters like no one else can. Yeah. Uh, the guy does an aesthetic and a very specific aesthetic like no one else can. Um, touching on the monstrous thing, I think it's it's worth noting that Del Toro started his career in special effects. So he started his career uh, in props and um, costuming and such. So uh, he became friends with Doug Jones, yep. who is the um, the incredible actor behind... Um, <sighs> Basically, I think it's he's in almost every single one of his yeah, films. Yeah, it's him and Perlman are pretty close to. Yeah, um, uh, but he's the uh, the creature in Shape of Water. He's Ape Sapien in Hellboy one and two. Um, he I don't actually know if he plays anyone Pacific Rim, um, but he plays some of the ghosts, uh, some of the like smoke ghosts in Crimson Peak, um, uh. And he plays the fawn, and I believe another. Oh yeah, the the fawn and the pale man in in Pan's yeah. Labyrinth. Um, but he has a very particular way of walking and moving, and uh, yeah, he's but, a weird looking dude. Oh yeah, he is. <laughs> um, but Del, Del, Del Toro knows how to play to those um, strengths. He knows how those actors work, uh, and how the the uh, practical effects have to work as well. Yeah. Given that he had a background in that. Um, so being able to support his actors and being able to film a scene that makes the practical effects look good is huge. And that's another one of his big things. So yeah, I basically put it at that aesthetics. Um, everything I just said about monsters. Um, and then the last thing would be story. Um, I, I don't know. I think his writing is good, but I also absolutely adore Del Toro. And so I don't know if I can put him on the same level as, let's say, Kevin Smith uh, or you know Aaron Sorkin, let's say, yeah. uh, in, in terms of snappy dialogue and writing. Um, but but Del Toro knows how to do a story. Um, right. And you know the the tragic thing I've heard is that he's got I think another dozen unused scripts just sitting there um, that are ready to go. Um, because he knows how to put a, a story together and the guy knows how to keep an audience hooked. Now, 
um, those three things are, are pretty big in terms of especially aesthetic because that was that was the, the key thing you touched on there. And do you think do you think there's an evolution there in terms of him getting better at it, or is it or is it, do we do we do we like it because we know it's a comfort zone? It's 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 a Del Toro thing. Um, it, it's tough because I think in some cases you end up seeing that the aesthetic improves simply because he's got more money to do it. Yeah. Um, so for instance, uh, Kronos was made in 93. Um, if we have Pacific Rim made at that same time, Pacific Rim is made in 2013. So 20 years later when he's handed a lot more money, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, we're, it, it's not going to be the same. Sure. He, they literally will look different, obviously. Um, uh, Kronos looks like a very low budget film. Yeah. Now there is still some brilliant practical effects in there. Um, the the device in particular, they built a giant version of it so that they could get the shots of the moving machinery inside of it. Um, and so, uh, the 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 techniques he's using, uh, there I'm sure there is a bit of an evolution in terms of there's more polish later yeah. on. Um, but the techniques at, at the fundamental level stay exactly the same. Um, so he is just as good with practical effects yeah. from day one as he is now. Um, I, I think the big difference is the money. Um, and then, yeah, there's probably a little bit of, of uh, a gradual uptick. But I think from an, an audience point of view, without being able to actually sit him down and ask him that question, yeah, um, yeah the main difference is the, is the cash flow. Yeah, I guess so. Especially, he gets more ambitious as his projects go along, too, knowing that he has the ability to get more cash flow. Yeah. Well, in like for Pacific Rim, they literally built a the head of of Gypsy Danger, um, and so, uh, oh god, I can't think of their names. Um, uh, but Raleigh and Mako and Mako um, <laughs> are literally. I actually was trying to think of their their actress names, but I'm not going to even attempt it. Um, Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. See. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Nice. <laughs> um, so the two of them were literally strapped in to um, a piece of machinery that moved their legs and stuff for them. So I remember there being an active concern at one point that someone could theoretically break a leg because they are strapped yeah, in yeah, yeah. Um, that if the machine moves and they're trying to go the other way, they there would... could be a tear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, I think what they were basically told is ragdoll yourself. Like if it's moving you, just go with it. It's not going to rip you apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that is terrifying. Uh, but so cool. <laughs> so again, the fundamentals are all there. He's it, it stayed the same, but, but there's no way we get that. There's no way we get the same experience as an audience without them being able to literally create that. Oh man, that's so cool. I didn't, I didn't know about the, the, they literally built the, oh yeah, the, the, the leg thing. That's actually really really awesome. Uh, you kind of touched on it earlier. Yep. Uh, so Del Toro is notoriously known for having just dump trucks full of unfinished products. Yep. <laughs> yep. Is that a Del Toro problem or is that a studio problem? Both. Um, it's a Del Toro problem because ultimately the guy likes too much stuff. And he's he's kind of workaholic. Um, the fact is, he has had again. He's he's had twelve um, films, not counting all of his uh, uh, the stuff he's been involved in as a producer, uh, his TV projects, his books, any of that other stuff. 
uh, and he's released those 12 films over 30 years. Um, so that's not a bad career as it stands. Um, but in almost every one of those cases, he has created the script for those films. Mm-hmm. So he uh, does the screenplay. He does the writing. Um, and then usually he does a little bit of production work for him his, himself as well. Um, and then he's doing all that other stuff, all the other projects as well. Uh, and he's still taking time to write uh, other projects. So again, I think I think the number last I remember hearing, he's got at least a dozen that are finished, ready to go. Like, really, he could if someone gave him the money now, he could start shooting tomorrow on Mountains of Madness. Um, and it's insane that volume of output. So there's a bit of that where, like, at the end of the day, okay he literally has not had enough time to make all of those movies. Yeah. So the reason there is unfinished scripts is partially that there's not enough time in the world. And he's, he's a bit of a workaholic. Um, the next problem is, is that he makes things ultimately for him. Uh, and it's very clear that Del Toro likes certain things and he shoves all the stuff he likes in the movies. Um, and he wants to create that. Um, and I love it. Yep. You love it. Lots of people love it. But not enough people to make money consistently. Yeah. Uh, Pacific Rim technically uh, beat its budget, like it technically made profit, but not really. Not, really. Uh, not when you account for marketing and stuff. Yeah. So it's frankly amazing we got a uh, Pacific Rim two at all, no, we don't and it's that. completely uh, unsurprising that he wasn't attached to it as a director anymore yeah. because the the studio said if we're gonna do this at all, we need to bring in someone that's gonna be a little bit more marketable. And seriously, though, and unfortunately, it shows when they do that because then the movie's terrible because no one can create and take Del Toro's world and make it into something as a film uh, in a way that's going to be profitable. Have you heard? Did you you hear his plans for Pacific Rim 2? I did. Uh, Oh, man. And it sounds really, really cool. So uh, do you want to go ahead and... Fill the world in. Oh, I, from what I know, all I remember is of spoilers for a movie that came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. Is uh, they send that ten years? <laughs> they send Gypsy through as the as the bomb to blow up the to blow up the rift. Yep. In uh, the second one, it's supposed to be the monsters actually take pieces of Gypsy and they 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 wear it and then they build other they they use the other bits of the dead Jaeger, Jaegers and they wear them and the monsters are wearing Jaeger armor and they come back through the rift. So, <laughs> I have heard that, uh, but I hear that my understanding was that is supposed to be the climax of the film. Oh my um, God. So, the, the, the problem, and this is where I understand, and this is when you asked, is this a Del Toro problem or, or a studio problem? problem? This is where I'm like, this is 100% Del Toro's problem. <laughs> because his pitch for the first half of that movie is it's entirely uh, Burn Gorman and Charlie Day's characters. Oh, that would be rough. Um, so it's the first half of the film is just the two of them, and there there's no Jaegers, there's no fights. It's the two of them doing science stuff. And if you have seen Pacific Rim Uprising, there is a a twist in it um, yeah. uh, where That's Charlie Day's kept. character ends up basically because of the science and stuff, because he murder. Uh, he drifted he drifts. Uh, with a Jaeger brain. A kaiju not, brain. Uh, kaiju brain, thank you. Uh, in the first film, he is uh, taken over by some of the... Uh, uh, what are they called? 
the Kaiju Masters. I can't remember what their actual names are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so he ends up being working basically as a double agent for the whole second film. Um, and so he, that's actually what they put in the, the film that we got. But that's what it's supposed to be, is that he's pulling the strings. And so that the last half of the proposed film is what you've mentioned. Um, so that is an extremely hard sell. <laughs> a, a, a stellar action movie that does not already make enough money to warrant a second film. And then he goes back. He has the balls to go back to the studio and say, now let's do it again. Except the first half, bunch of science stuff. <laughs> Take out all the things that we liked about that first one. Yeah. 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 And let's just have more Charlie Day. And don't get me wrong. Charlie Day is awesome in that movie. But. Not a whole first half though. I, I would do it because it's Del Toro and I trust that guy. But <laughs> it's not going to make money. Someone will lose money off of that. And I will go and see it six times in theaters. But that's not enough. My $80 or whatever that is, is not enough. Well, maybe they'll make finance. the marketing budget 80 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Um, so it, it, it's both. It's both. It's studios knowing that he's not going to make money is the thing. Um, and so they are, and, and we've seen that. I think his highest budget film is Pacific Rim. Um, I don't know that for an absolute fact, sure. um, but uh, but I believe it is Pacific Rim. And so it's it's clear that they're like, dude, we are happy that you're making movies, but we can't give you much more than $30 million. <laughs> and I get it. I, I But it's devastating. Um, and it's, and ultimately, I, I've, I'm on a couple movie subreddits, and they talked about how it's like, guys, we can't keep trumpeting how we want things other than Marvel movies and then not go see Nightmare Alley. Um, and the same thing happened with Northman. You know, like not enough people saw the Northman and it lost a whole bunch of money. Like that is what people have been clamoring for. Same with um, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Um, three very, very different films we should have that should run the gamut of original content that um, film lovers have been clamoring for, and none of those three made money. Did Unbearable Weight plop? It did, oh. at least in theaters. Um, and it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, I, I unfortunately I think it was too too close together to everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a little bit of a problem there. Um, I believe they were released. I think it was only a week apart. A week apart. Um. So and and that you're absolutely right, but. They are they are quite different films. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the hope is is that they'd be able to stand on their own. But anyway, uh, I just, we're running out of time here. But I gotta let I'm gonna close with a couple of personal questions. Hit me. Uh, first, uh, six inches around. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's not okay. Well. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I have a list here in front of me of 17 unfinished or unproduced Del Toro project, projects. Oh, God. And they're all just him as a director. No books, no video games. Okay. Uh, anything like that. Off the top of your head, if you could give me three Del Toro projects that never got done, do you know what they would be? Oh, if you could God. have them with I... an unlimited budget, the way he would oh, want it sorry. done. Oh, sorry. So you're not asking me. You're not quizzing me. You're no, saying no. I'm asking you what would you would like to have seen. Okay. Well, can I see <laughs> I can read the list? You. You want okay. To, yeah. Yeah. Read. Let's get the list. So uh, there was a uh, the first two were Meat Market. 
which oh. was like Hamlet and Phantom of the Opera put together. Okay. Uh, Left Hand of Darkness, which was his uh, version of Count of Monte Cristo. Right. Uh, List of Seven, which is based off a novel. Uh, Sand Kings, which we really don't know anything about. Okay. Uh, his version of Wind in the Willows. Okay. Uh, Mephisto's Bridge, which again is another adaptation of a short story. His Tarzan movie. Ooh. Uh, 3993, which is the spiritual successor sequel to Pan's Labyrinth. Ooh. Uh, death, as in Neil Gaiman's death. Oh, like the Sandman. The death. Sandman death. Interesting. Yeah, death okay. by cost of living. Uh, a Halo movie. Okay. Uh, Hellboy three. Okay. Mountains of Madness. Yeah. Haunted Mansion. We are getting that. We are we actually? No, no, no. That's not him. Uh, he's connected. Yeah, he's he. He's not directing that. Though. He's sorry. You're <laughs> correct. He's not directing. Uh, he is uh, credited as a writer. Is he? He is. So, yeah. Okay. So uh, that's the one that's coming out, I believe, this year, right? I have no idea. I'm yeah. not excited about it. I'm not gonna lie. It's got Del Toro's name on it. I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna watch it because it's got Haunted Mansion, but it's yeah. Uh, Pan, which is his version of Peter Pan. I Peter guess. Pan. Justice League Dark. Okay. Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And Fantastic Voyage. Oh boy! See, this is what I mean. This guy. Okay. So <laughs> that's a heavy hitting list. There is three that popped to my into my brain immediately that I I would want. Um and it's and they are the the most cherry picked of those <laughs> of that whole list. So it's not reasonable that I want these three, but I'm just gonna say no, them. It, no, it's not. <laughs> Don't give it to me. Don't let me off the hook. So the first one is Hellboy Three. You um, want it. Oh I I would love Hellboy okay. Three. I adore those films. Yeah. Um and it got better as they went along. Yeah. Um so Hellboy One's great by the time we get to Hellboy 2, it's very clear Del Toro is like, whatever they wouldn't let me do before, I'm doing it now. Yeah. You know? Um, and, like, the the very fact that the climax of that is inside, like, a giant clock with gears rolling around. And he's <laughs> fighting monsters that are made of gears. I'm like, man, this guy loves gears. And I'm here for it. I love it. I adore it. Um, uh, in fact, when I had... Uh, designed my wedding ring. Yeah. I was hoping for something a little more Del Toro inspired, and then yeah. people kept telling me, "You can't have gears on your finger. We can't just make this ring like move." And you can, um, like not, <laughs> not in a way that would be classy. Still, so Fair. you know. Um, anyway, that's the, sort of the the intent. As I was like, "Oh, it's <laughs> gonna be Del Toro inspired." Um, the next one is Justice League Dark. You want that. I want it because it's Del Toro, and I know those characters. Fair enough. And I want a Halo movie. So those are my three. Now, now, <laughs> again, I understand those are cherry-picked. Um, and I, it's, I, I only Halo because I have spent countless hours playing Halo sure. games. Um, and if anyone could do it right, especially considering the Halo show we just got, that is terrible. Oh, no. I was going to um, ask you about that, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Haven't even, like, I, I, like, watched 15 minutes and was like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. Um, and just heard terrible things as well. But so the things I should really want, if I'm, because, again, those ones are cherry-picked. Those ones are just like, oh, these are things I like and I know I'll love. Um, uh, but it, it, in terms of what he deserves... Uh, we should get a well. I don't even know. We should get three nine nine three. So any sort of successor to Pan's Labyrinth is well worth it. Now yeah. that being said, uh, Devil's Backbone is uh, 
like the predecessor to, to Pan's Labyrinth. So we already have an entry there. Then we have Pan's Labyrinth. And my understanding is that Pinocchio is basically going to be a successor. Oh, okay. um, is that uh, the Pinocchio is actually going to be set in fascist Spain. Oof. Uh, <laughs> seriously. So, uh, so we are getting some of that. Say a more del Toro sentence. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm just saying we're getting a little bit of that. Um, death, the Neil Gaiman. Oh, man, I adore Neil Gaiman. Oh, man, you're killing me. The thing is, is I'm, a, I'm actually a little hesitant about the idea of that because there's not enough of that character for me to... Like, I, I don't know if that could fill a film. I don't know. High Cost of Living is, is quite robust. What is High Cost of Living? It's her little miniseries. Huh. It's like a little standalone. Is it Gaiman? Yeah. Why have I not read it? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, then yes, that one. <laughs> so, okay, you have my list of things that were ridiculous. Now my actual list is still Hellboy 3 because we deserve that. <laughs> you deserve that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like the world deserves it. But uh, And then I do 399.3 and death. Now what's the – give me a dream project that's not on this list. <sighs> one. I don't know. Um, give, me, give me one. Oh, God. Well, sorry. Give me your list, and I'll think about your dumb question that's going to keep me up at night. <laughs> what with them? What, 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 what? Your list of three oh, out of these. The three that I would want to see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely Mountains of Madness. Yeah, oh, I know. Uh, Frankenstein. Actually, sorry. I'm going to cut you off for a second. <laughs> um, Did you hear at one point that he decided he was never going to do the Mountains of Madness? No. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He said this about... I don't know when exactly it was. Actually, we could look it up, but I'll tell you why. It's because Prometheus came out. <laughs> Your favorite film, Prometheus. Because I needed another reason to hate that movie. And and Del Toro said, it is too much like <laughs> Mountains of Madness. So I guess it's already been done and I'll never do my film. Oh my God. <laughs> because for those that don't know, The Mountains of Madness is a um, uh, Lovecraft uh, story that is basically about scientists uh, going on a expedition, discovering things they can't fathom, uh, and and causing them to go mad. I'm fuming. Right and that is basically what Prometheus is, uh, just executed much more poorly. I'm fuming right now. <laughs> okay, you know what? We're not going to put Mountains of Madness on that fucking list. I'll do Frankenstein. Yep. I'll do Fantastic Voyage because I think the visuals on that would look incredible. And I I want to see Left Hand of Darkness. I'd like yeah. to see what he'd do with Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, like, as far as I'm concerned, literally anything on that list, I would... Sorry. I will see anything this man puts out. Anything. Let's do it. Um, But all of that sounds amazing. And it's, a, uh, like, again, consistently disappointing to me that it's... That... I get why they don't trust him. I get why they don't want to give him money. But it's so disappointing to me that Hollywood doesn't yeah. give him money. Did you, did you come up with a dream one there or what? <sighs> like, it's a bit of a cop-out, honestly. Um, but probably... Wow. What Marvel movie did you want to <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I just... I, I think I want to see him do anything Lovecraft. Um, because we haven't truly seen 
first of all, I don't think Lovecraft has ever been really, really properly done uh, on the big screen, um, or at least not that I'm aware of. Um, and I think that he's the only one currently that could really do it justice. Um, and I, so I understand that Mountains of Madness is on there and it's a Lovecraft story, yeah, yeah. Um, but there is lots of work uh, lots of Lovecraft work that could be done. Sure. Um, you know, like, call it Cthulhu, even. Yeah. Cthulhu? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Someone said it differently before, and now I'm like, oh, God, I should have looked it up. Is there another way to say it? Someone said Cthulhu to me once, and I thought it sounded stupid, but, you know. <laughs> that's dumb. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I a, thought. Um, so the, the, the main difference between that Kevin Smith episode and the episode we're doing right now uh, is that one of these creators is still good? <laughs> That's almost exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not even joking. Yeah. Is I, I, I fell out of love. Yeah, and sure. And you haven't. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, uh, and so I, I, I had to go and find new people mm-hmm. to attach myself to and, and whatnot. Uh, and do you, do you see anybody coming up and doing that for you? Or, or you know, or how, how, how secure do you feel? With Del Toro being the guy, so <clears throat> I is is in as far as being secure, I am positive that everything this guy puts out, I'm still going to love. Yeah. Um. So that's not going away. Yeah. Um. Uh. The the problem is your list. There is the fact is is he will never be given free reign to put out exactly what he wants to put out. Yeah. Um, and, and I think in some cases that's good. We talked about um, in some cases where studio interference has helped projects. Um, and I think in some cases there's probably he's pitched something to a studio and they're like, buddy, no, <laughs> you know? And, and um, as much as I enjoyed it, you know, I would very easily swap any of those films out for Nightmare Alley. Um, you know, so I, I do think I, that there is films that are more for him and probably aren't, you know, meant for mass audience consumption. Um, uh, but he's consistent enough for me. Uh, so I'm going to still watch everything this guy puts out. Um, I think there, in terms of other creators, um, really the first name that comes to mind is Villeneuve. Um, and I think with Villeneuve, he's been lucky enough to get bigger budgets. Um, and I think it's because his movies tend to, at least from a financial point of view, perform better than anything Del Toro's ever done. Um, maybe not ever, but, um, uh, Villeneuve still has studio trust. Yeah. And so Villeneuve is going to be given projects that are near and dear to his heart. And it's going to be a little bit uh, less often that he's going to get denied. Um, so, th- yeah, yeah, he's a big one. I think the other thing is, though, it's worth pointing out, and we've, we've talked a little bit around it, but at the end of the day, Del Toro is a genre uh, creator. Um, he, he, each of his projects are, are squarely within genre, and yeah. I love genre films. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't always scratch the itch. So there's going to be a need and a desire for other films as well. And there is plenty of other creators out there that can deliver that. Sure. So he's never going to be the end-all and be-all. Like, yeah, sure. If he, if I had to pick one, he'd be it. 
Um, but, uh, but luckily I don't have to. And, you know, um, th- there's plenty of other people that I, that I enjoy, but, um, yeah, it's never going away for, no. for my boy. Good. Uh, humor me really quickly. Hit me. Del Toro Marvel movie. What is it? Oh, ah, uh, I don't know. I'd love to see him do a swamp thing, but that's DC. Yeah. Um, I don't really know. Like, if it's Marvel, it's going to be something wacky. It's going to be like, I don't know. Uh, honestly, you know what it would have been? It would have been Eternals or something oh, similar Eternals. to that. Nice. Probably. Um, I think I'm going to say Ghost Rider here. Oh. Or, you know, if we didn't already have Doctor Strange movies of Del Toro, Doctor Strange would have been pretty perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a there's a lot of potential there for sure. Yeah. Um. Uh, sort of same vein. Another thing, like I've always grieved with him, is the fact that he never got to make the Hobbit movies. Yeah. Um. And granted, he was in line and he was going to make them, but then he said he needed more time, and New Line told him he no, uh, and then you have to get him out. So that's why we have the god-awful trilogy we do have as opposed to the incredible del toro stuff so um you know i'm always gonna grieve what we lost there um and that's true with so much of his stuff is that i'm like man if only they had let him you know do whatever and fill in the blanks with whatever you want and i hope that's not going to be his legacy oh it is it already is you know like in my mind i'm i hope it doesn't ruin like it gets to a point where i start to feel it because i like i can look at i can look at his stuff and be like no there's enough there and there will continue to be enough for me to to not think about what we lost but i know studio wise and i know public image wise that's kind of his thing yep yeah and and again he's got 12 films that i'm i'm quite happy with um uh I'll be honest, actually, there is one of these I haven't seen. Uh, I have never seen Mimic. Um, and I've heard that my understanding was he was kicked off it at the end. Yeah. Um, so it's never really been high on my list of things I need to go out and see. Sure. Um, uh, but <laughs> I assume I will enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's made 12 films that I'm, qu- I'm quite happy with. Again, I would happily switch out one or two of these for one of the the films one of his dream projects but yeah at the end of the day nightmare alley was a dream project for him too you know and and so whatever i've construed and made up in my head at what i'm going to see for justice league dark that's probably not going to be the case yeah. you know and 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 as much as i'd like to be able to attribute the success of these things all to him there is so many things that go into creating a project like this you know, who knows? Uh, maybe the reason that I wasn't as happy with Nightmare Alley was because of XYZ producer or because sure. of, you know, who who can say? Um, uh, so all of those dream projects sound great, but I could also really easily see them not going great. <laughs> but then again, you know, maybe we get this Pinocchio movie and it goes really well and then we have a Peter Pan coming up and that's when they, maybe they give him an opportunity to make some... Weirder stuff. You hope. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Well, that's cool, man. I, He's cool. He is cool. Let's do uh, a month's worth of stuff on Pacific Rim. 
uh, like I'm down, but we are going to lose viewers so fast. <laughs> Maybe we don't we'll, even have that many to lose. Maybe we'll gain two. <laughs> Like ourselves? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um uh anyway, Del Toro, please come and be on my podcast. Yeah, exactly. Oh god. You guys uh let us know if you have favorites or if you're not if you're not a fan, which is insane. Don't let me know that. Tell no 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 tell no, let just him Brendan. No 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 no. Just leave a comment. <laughs> just let him know how bad he is. Just so he can read it. But he can't be bad. He's gonna get my boy Tom Hanks another Oscar. Oh my god. <laughs> 